As I told you yesterday, the enemy has understood he's not going to destroy the church through physical persecution. That only leads to the rapid advancement of the cause of Christ. So since I can't destroy them from the outward, I will destroy them inwardly. And so he comes and he begins to whisper in the ears of these widows. He says, that widow across the aisle is getting more than you. And then this person says, no, that one over there is getting more than you. And a debate and a divide happens inside the church. And what happens now is pretty interesting. This division is reaching the ears of the apostles. And it's reaching their ears every day. It just seems to be all anybody's talking about. It wasn't too long ago, they were all talking about the, uh, the goodness of, of, of people giving up everything. You know, in order that everybody might have everything they needed, but now they're fighting over food. And it's coming to the apostles and it's weighing them down. It's actually costing them a lot of time to have to deal with the fights. To have to deal with the wars, you know? I mean, you can imagine just if they lived in the year 2022, how their cell phone is constantly getting text messages. Their phone's constantly ringing. They're getting emails from everybody. Did you know that sister so-and-so got this much, but sister so-and-so got that little, and we've got to do better next time? And it's a constant, constant thing going on to where the disciples, that this is the apostles, it's all they're focused on. It's trying to keep things together. Okay? So the Bible says that in the middle of this, the 12 apostles, they summon the whole company of the disciples. So they just, they say, you know what it's time for? It's time for a business meeting. We, we need to come together and we need to figure this out. We, we can't go about this way anymore. So let's just talk about it. Now, what a revolutionary idea that is to actually talk to somebody about something and propose a solution. In our day and time, that doesn't happen a lot, does it? We'll talk to everybody else outside the walls, but very rarely will we confront the issues inside the walls. And these apostles, they say, no way, no how, we're going to bring this thing together. So they come together and listen what they say. The apostles say, it would not be right for us to give up preaching about God to handle financial matters or to handle um, the, the serving of tables. Okay, So it wouldn't be right for us uh, to give up what's most important to deal with these matters of least importance. We are supposed to be preaching and teaching the gospel. And we're supposed to be on the streets as heralds sent out by God to fulfill the great commission, but because this has come into the church, it is stopping us and hindering us from fulfilling our mission. And because of that, it was not right for us to give that up in order to handle these matters. And so what do they say? Therefore, brothers, select from you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to the prayer and the preaching ministry. So what we're about to see here in the text is the election of the first group of deacons. Guys that are going to handle the serving of the tables. Guys that are going to be in charge of making sure that food is distributed equally. Guys that are going to be in charge of making sure that these frivolous matters that take place in the church are taken care of before they ever get to the pastor. 
And, and I used to have a friend of mine, he called the deacons of the church the offensive linemen. He said, you know, the, the pastor is our quarterback. We're the offensive linemen. We're to stop all the stuff from getting to him so that he can do what he's been called to do, which is score touchdowns. Now, that's a good illustration, I think. And when we think about this, it's exactly what's going on here. The apostles, they say, look, we are going to appoint, we want you to appoint seven men full of the Holy Spirit, good reputation. They're going to handle these things. Then we can handle what's of most importance. And that's preaching and prayer. And the Bible says that the proposal, verse 5, chapter 6, it pleased the whole company. They say, you know what? That's actually a good idea. I mean, you're right. You guys honestly need to be focused on other things. It's taking you away from what is most important. And so, yes, we agree with the proposal. Let's choose seven from among ourselves who represent both sides. And that's the thing about it, guys. When we think about our deacons and elders in the church, they should represent the the whole company. It shouldn't just be a, a, a one-family dynamic or, or a one-group dynamic, but you should honestly look for men of good reputation, men who are full of the Holy Spirit, who you can appoint to this duty, who can come in and handle these matters so that the preacher, the pastor, can do what God's called him to do, pray and preach. And when you do that, we're going to see what happens. And we look at this text, and the Bible says that they chose a man named Stephen. This man was full of the faith and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see Stephen in a moment and in greater detail. But we also see that there was a man named Philip, a man named Prochorus, a man named Nicanor, Timon, Parnius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So they get guys from across the whole demographic, just like we should do. Get guys from the whole demographic who have proved themselves, of course, not just, not just anybody, but who have proved themselves to be of good reputation in the Holy Spirit. Young men, old men, guys in between. Those who, who you know you can trust for these things and put them in this spot. And the Bible says that they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So they ordained them to the ministry. These guys, they come and the apostles, they lay their hands on them in a very symbolic act to say, yes, we affirm that these guys are the men that, that, that we believe fulfill the mark of being good reputation and of the Holy Spirit. So these are the men in a very public affirmation of these guys. They lay their hands on them. And so now these seven guys are going to do what they've been called to do. And watch what happens in verse 7. Now this is an amazing thing. Verse 7 says, The preaching about God flourished, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now isn't that just the wildest thing? When the apostles were actually able to do what God had commanded them to do and what they were charged to do by Jesus, to preach and to pray, the number of people multiplied greatly. When they were having to deal with these frivolous matters and were taking away from that, guess what? The numbers weren't multiplying daily. Why? Because they were having to handle all these other things. But when... They got a good group of men who could handle those things, those less important things. Now the apostles were able to handle the things of most importance, prayer and the preaching of the word. Now, friends, this is an amazing text. 
And I believe in a lot of places today, the reason that you don't see a lot of church growth is because the pastor becomes a one-man show. And he's got to handle it all. He's got to handle every bit of division. He's got to handle every fight. He's got to handle every visit. He's got to handle everything that's going on. And at the end of the day, the preaching suffers. His prayer life suffers. His family suffers because he cannot attain to, or attend to that which matters most. But I'm telling you, friends, if you're in a church, elect yourself some good deacons, some good deacons of full of faith in the Holy Spirit who can handle some of these things, who can be that offensive line. And then let your pastor pray and preach. And it's not that he doesn't involve himself in some of those things, because of course he does. There's times when a pastor needs to get involved in some of those things. But at the end of the day, if your pastor is able to pray and preach, you'll see a difference in your church. It'll start in the pulpit and it'll go into your home, into his home. It'll go everywhere because he's able to stand and do what God's called him to do. It'll change your church. And so just get yourself some good men to stand in front of him, to, to be his offensive line so that he can keep on scoring touchdowns. Listen, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you so much for the time, and I pray your day is blessed. If you are a deacon out there, praise God for you. And if you're a pastor out there, praise God for you as well. And if you're a deacon's wife or a pastor's wife, praise God for you too. May God bless, and we'll see you next time.